Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. And I'm really excited today to have with me Erica Neal. She is a licensed clinical social, social worker in the greater Washington DC metropolitan area who helps clients overcome the limiting effects of trauma and other difficult life experiences so they are free to live the life they want. Erica attended Harvard University, Columbia University Law School, and Catholic University School of Social Service. She has specialized training in the treatment of trauma, managing stress and difficult emotions, and strengthening positive emotional states. She's a Havenings Techniques trainer and also a practitioner of EMDR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, Reiki, quantum touch, EFT, somatic experiencing, sensory motory psychotherapy, the flash technique, and brain spotting. Oh, I love all this. Erica emphasizes mind-body awareness practices to increase capacity and resilience. Prior to becoming a social worker, Erica was a lawyer for abused and neglected children in Washington, DC. Havening techniques have brought about dramatic change and growth in her clients and in herself. Erica's style is collaborative, warm, and solution-focused, and she was trained by the creator of Havening and was the very first certified Havening practitioner in the D.C. area. Welcome, Erica. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here today. Yes. I'm so excited to explore all these different possibilities and these wonderful, some of these wonderful techniques that you're using to create healing for people who are suffering, particularly with trauma, which is something I also work with a lot in my practice. So, but I always like to ask the guests first, how did you come to do this work? And you seem like you had a major transition in your career. So tell us more about how you ended up doing what you're doing today. Uh, well, I had some trauma in my own childhood, more developmental trauma where I had um, just feeling neglected and uh, some, some history of like verbal abuse in the family and other issues. And I, I, from a young age, I really wanted to work with kids to help them. And initially I thought I wanted to be a lawyer because I, I studied government. Um, and as I was a lawyer, I realized I was actually more interested in the emotional aspects um, that the kids are going through and also perhaps the public issues, the, the social policy issues. So I got a social work degree and kind of um, worked in a school as a school social worker. But along the way, realized that I actually was very interested in working with adults who had been traumatized as kids and using what I knew about child trauma to help me help adults. And as I was doing that, I realized that I really was what really helped people was mostly working with the somatic and the energy aspects of trauma, not just talking about it and having insight into it and a perspective on it, but actually feeling a release of it. Because when, when you're distressed, when your emotional brain is activated, you can talk about it to your blue in the face and it doesn't really solve the problem in the body. So I got very interested in the body therapies and Havening is kind of the most recent one I had come across. And um, I had heard about it in a webinar and I, and I practiced it and I loved it immediately. And I started to use it with my clients. I got training it right away. 
and I've just had much more success with it with myself and with clients than I've had with other methods. So I tend to do a lot of havening, but I am interested in general about have, helping people release energy that's caused by trauma that's blocked, whether it's chronic trauma, like chronic neglect, chronic exposure to abuse, or is it like an acute event? Um, and in my history, I had an episode where I took a medication for depression that was a stimulant and it caused a wave of panic to come over me that kept happening every time I thought about it. And so for years, like for about four years, I kept re-experiencing it. Initially, like for the first two years, it was every day, all day. It was really, really terrible and I couldn't get a handle on it. And it wasn't until I learned havening that I actually got over that event. Um, so. I, I'm really aware of the importance of letting the body discharge energy that's disruptive to the system. And that's what excites me the most in working with clients too. And how did you discover some of the more somatic techniques that you're working with? Well, I think, you know, I, I do think that is the cutting edge of therapy and that's the direction we're moving into. And EMGR was probably um, one of the first ones. I mean, initially I got trained in mindfulness-based stress reduction by John Kabat-Zinn 20 years ago. And that was really great. And that the, the wave of mindfulness in therapy has been wonderful. But EMDR can actually take it further to actually help um, desensitize and release trauma. So um, when I learned about EMDR, I wanted, to learn, I wanted to do that right away. And EMDR has been around a while. I mean, I think it's been about 30 years, actually, that it's been around. And then, you know, like I was interested in somatic experiencing and sensory motor psychotherapy because those two help with energy releasing, like, stuck motions like if you're trapped or you feel like you can't move or if you're angry and, and you can't do anything or if you want to flee and you're stuck you know it helps you release the energy of that and then i actually got interested in reiki because i myself was so distressed i was like having these panic waves all the time and nothing was helping me i mean i would do everything anything i was praying i was open to anything and somebody recommended reiki so i learned how to do that and that in that case i was receiving energy into me from a practitioner and, and that was a benefit too. So I've just been very fascinated with these different methods of, of using energy and, and sensory, um, psychosensory methods like EMDR or even brain spotting or flash to change the way our brain stores traumatic events. I think it'd be great if you don't mind just telling us a little bit more about um, some of these modalities. Cause like we've covered a lot in the podcast so far but we haven't actually talked about EMDR and brain spawning yet, for example. Tell us okay. just a little, give us a little overview of what that is and how it works. Okay, so EMDR um, is based on the uh, creation by its founder, Dr. Francine Shapiro, who was fine. She, the story is she was walking on a beach. She was thinking about something very upsetting. She was moving her eyes back and forth. Um, and she realized that that was helping her feel better and desensitize the distress. And she came up with this theory that it was because it was helping the right and left hemispheres of the brain process what was happening. And previously, it was just stored emotionally and not really intellectually processed. So she developed that theory to apply not just to looking back and forth, but even hearing beeps back and forth or feeling pulses back and forth. And so the practitioner could move their, their hands back to move, have the client move their eyes or have headphones or tappers. Nowadays, with Zoom, what we're doing is we're having clients just move their, find us a spot on the right and left and just move their eyes back and forth while they're tapping um, like this. And we have them bring up the event, kind of the, the physicality of it, the feeling in the body, the emotion, the cognition that goes with it, like I'm a loser or you know, um, I have no control, I'm not safe, and then do the, um, the bilateral stimulation while they think of that. And it reduces the intensity of the distress. And then at the end, 
it can actually have a positive belief like I am safe or I have control or I'm lovable. So that's kind of how EMDR works mostly. Yeah. And then brain spotting evolved. Yeah, brain spotting evolved from that. And David Grant, the guy that created it, he realized that sometimes people have a fixed point that holds a lot of trauma. And that if you can have the person focus on that and then have bilateral stimulation, which could be in that, through sound, um, it helps them really get at that issue that was stored in that one spot at, at a greater degree of depth. So essentially, these modalities were accessing trauma that's locked in the brain and in the body, right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. What's your understanding of why? Why do we lock trauma in the body? You know, why is it that once the experience has passed, it's done and over with? Why do some people still, like you, right, re-experience yeah. and have that energy still happening for them? Yeah, it's because there's no natural resolution. There's a feeling of like inescapability where you can't actually get, get it out of you, get rid of it. Like I was having this attack, this explosion in my chest, and I was dissociating, and I couldn't get out of the situation. You know, when we're abused, we, we can't escape. And, and so our body is locked in the same circumstance as we had felt in that time. And it's trying to get a, a resolution, but, it, but it's not able to. And, and then there's the our amygdala, if you can tell exactly. us more about that. Yeah, right? exactly. The amygdala is very much involved in this whole fight, flight, freeze response. That's true. So our amygdala gets um, activated or, or potentiated when something traumatic happens. We have, when something traumatic happens, we actually have receptors appear on our amygdala um, that says, you know, this is danger, it's dangerous, something's happening. And then after that, anytime anything reminiscent of it can cause those to become activated again. And until we feel safety related to that event, uh, we will that will remain potentiated. Our amygdala will always be kind of on the lookout. But if we can pair safety with those kind of triggers and the event itself, then we actually don't get activated anymore. Our amygdala does not get potentiated anymore. So that's yeah. those therapies help a lot with that. Which is so fascinating then, because that means that we can essentially. Um, take that emotional charge and all that traumatic energy and release it from the memory of the event itself, right? Because Correct. what's happening is um, certain, however, whatever was happening at the time, it all imprints into your memory. So if there was a certain smell or a certain sound even that came with the trauma, every time you smell that smell or hear that sound, it can bring up all the memory of the trauma, right? We're essentially yes. extinguishing that response with some of these methods. Absolutely. It's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so actually, cool. it's interesting because when we store trauma in, in Havening, we use the um, acronym CASE, Cognitive, Autonomic, Somatosensory, and Emotional. We store all those things together in our memory, and then any aspect of that could remind us of it and bring up everything at once. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about havening specifically. How does it work? How do you create that safety? How do you address those four things? How does sure. it go? So um, havening is based on the fact that the amygdala gets potentiated from traumatic experiences. And then after that, the brain is scanning for danger after that. So what we're trying to accomplish is to depotentiate the amygdala or create a feeling of safety so that amygdala is no longer activated. And um, Dr. Rudin, Dr. Ronald Rudin, was looking at methods that actually cause the amygdala to become depotentiated. And he discovered that delta waves, which are the slowest brain waves, really help depotentiate the amygdala. They change actually the neurochemistry so that um, 
the 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 empress the receptors are actually removed once you have delta waves through a neurochemical reaction. So um, we he found that the main way to produce delta waves in terms of touch was to touch three parts of the body primarily. These produce the most delta waves. So those parts were the hands. So just rubbing the palms together was a good way to produce delta waves. And then the other places were actually the face, like rubbing the cheeks like that, and then the, the arms from shoulder to elbow in a downward sweep. And he, he came up with this by finding that these are the areas that produce the most delta waves and then realizing, well, why don't we do a soothing touch? Why don't we have the touch be as soothing as possible? So the touch is kind of like a massage and we just rotate between these three locations. And then actually eye movement also is also used in havening because that too produces delta waves. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. so seems to, you know, what we know from brain spotting is that the optic nerve connects also back to the vagus nerve, right? Yeah. And the vagus nerve is also really involved in this whole fight flight thing, getting us into like the arousal and sympathetic nervous system arousal or parasympathetic relaxation. So the vagus nerve is playing a role in this too, right? That's true. That, that's absolutely true. And I love that the, the touch helps with that. Even some of the things we do with havening, we, we, we actually do humming. Um, we do things to keep the, the working memory occupied so the person's not thinking about the traumatic event anymore. So you, we do actually have the person think about the distressing feeling and then right away, have them do havening touch and distractions such as humming, counting by multiples, thinking of things in a category, starting with the letter A, naming people's uh, names, for example, to keep the, the working memory busy so that the delta waves can change the brain chemistry to be desensitized. And at the end, when the person thinks of the traumatic event, their, their distress level is minimal because of that. Right. right. Yeah. And, and some of that is so natural like when we're soothing you know, our children yeah. or even ourselves, right? It just seems like these are such like natural soothing movements we do organically. So true. And even, you know, humming, you know, like humming nursery rhymes to, to soothe oneself too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's very organic. Is this a technique that people can use on their own or is it primarily something you would do with a practitioner? Um, it's both. Like if you have a distressing feeling, it's actually very helpful, like in the moment to, to do the havening touch and do something to distract your mind, like humming or some of the other things I mentioned, um, like the counting by multiples and naming things in a category. And then you also can do havening on yourself by affirming qualities that you have, like um, calm, calm, or what if I'm calm? What if I'm calm? You can do that on your own. But if you have like a severe trauma, it's better to go to a practitioner because they can guide you and make sure that they can help you de uh, de-escalate the, the stress level. Do you find that this is something that people generally, um, you know, like, do you do multiple sessions of it or can a lot clear in one session? I suppose it depends on what the trauma is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with single event traumas, like a car accident or some kind of event like that, it's actually very effective and it can happen in, in one session. And some things actually even longer standing can, can clear very quickly, but you never really know because sometimes people have uh, earlier events that feed into the distress of the most recent event. Like they might have earlier events that have to do with insecurities or inadequacies that are being activated by the most recent event. So it could take a little bit longer, but havening is very quick. I mean, it doesn't take much because you don't have to do much setting up. You just have them bring up the feeling, start with the havening touch and keep their mind busy and it clears it. There's not a lot of um, analysis of the event. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they don't have to 
re-experience <laughs> it necessarily or talk about it right in great they depth. Just have, that's true they just have to tap into it enough to activate the amygdala yeah. and then you do the evening touch yeah. And I find that that's actually true for so many of the modalities that we don't necessarily have to rehash the whole thing. We just have to like connect with it. And yes. it's almost like our body, our mind, our brain, all those parts that are involved in it just know like exactly where to go. And so often it, myself too, when I work with people with trauma, we, it, it's almost like it's layers and layers of trauma. And when you peel back one, then so many, then the others also start to come up. So true. Even if it's a more recent trauma, oftentimes we're back in childhood stuff again. Very, very true. And it's good to go back to the, the earliest antecedents to really clear it the most fully, if possible. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes when we do that, it actually collapses all the other ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's which is cool. amazing. Mm -hmm. Tell yeah. us a little bit more. You also do um, something called somatic experiencing and mm -hmm. sensory motor therapy right what are those how are those modalities different how do they work they deal a lot with the storage of trauma based on that that inescapability where they're kind of stuck in a pattern that wasn't able to be completed and so they they involve tracking it very uh, mindfully and attentively like you know that the practitioner really tracks where are you feeling that where does it want to move where are you sensing the energy flowing so it's attending to the energy and letting it move through the body um, they're similar. I mean, somatic experiencing is actually something that any practitioner, anybody can do. You don't have to be a therapist, psychotherapist to do it. Um, sensory motor is, you have to be a psychotherapist to do it, and it has a little bit more attachment stuff in it. But I will say that there are some aspects of somatic experiencing, some teachers that really do a lot of attachment work also. So they're actually, they're very similar. They're both excellent. They're really about releasing the, 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 the body patterns that have gotten stuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. From whatever watching Peter Levine's videos and hearing him talk or stuff, sometimes like they'll even put the person in the position that they were in at the yeah. time of the trauma. Like if you were in the car driving and you happen to be looking over here when the accident happened, like maybe you could like position yourself there and start kind of moving through that, right? That's very true. Absolutely. And in, in fact, doing it like in a micro movement, like feeling every aspect of it. So you really get yourself to go through it. Yeah. 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 I've actually done that with brain spotting too. I know with brain spotting, usually yeah. you're looking when I was in the training, because I've had so many car accidents, yeah. I would look at the spot, I would get the memory activated. And then I would do unwinding in that more, especially with like the micro movements, because I knew about some of that stuff and found it to be that combination even to be tremendously powerful in releasing traumas and stuff I didn't even know was still in my body. That's so true. And you can combine the methods. I mean, you can definitely combine those with somato, somatic experiencing and sensory motor psychotherapy can easily be combined with most of those methods that we talked about. Yeah. yeah. So how do you know when a client comes to see you, yeah. how do you know which modality to use? Mm. There's some things I teach clients, like pretty much anybody, like grounding, a certain degree of mindfulness is a good base for anybody. Um, with havening, I look for, if somebody feels unsafe, I usually go with havening because that really creates a feeling of safety. That's the main thing. So that happens quite a bit that I'll teach them that. And then um, EMDR I find is helpful if a person needs to have more of an objectivity about what happened. And um, if, if I hear words like that, that they feel too caught up in it and they want more distance from it, I will do EMDR. 
And I will incorporate somatic experiencing or sensory motor psychotherapy if there's any stuck pattern. It, it'll be part of the work that we do together. Mm -hmm. I also do tapping, actually. That's the EFT, emotional freedom technique. I like to do that as well. And um, similarly, it releases energy patterns. Yes. yes. We actually had Dalton Birch on the podcast a, a while back, which was really fun to um, talk with him. I actually took my training with him. I thought it was... Um, it's such a wonderful technique as well. Again, moving with stuck, moving stuck energies out of the body, letting the brain know it's safe. It doesn't, it, we're not being chased by a bear in the woods. That trauma is not happening now, even though it feels in your body. I and mean, that's the problem, right? It like, it literally feels like you're re-experiencing elements of that trauma over and over and over again. It's so scary. for both. Yeah, so, so true. It's that felt sense that's the problem, that feeling that you, you can't get away from. And then you feel like you have no control over it, no agency over it. And that's when it shifts is when you, when you finally feel like you have some agency over it, that it's, it, I have a Doug O'Brien, my friend says, calls it, it, it um, you have it rather than it having you. When you get to that point, that's when you really are in the downside that, that things are resolving themselves. And, and that's also the space in which post-traumatic growth can happen. Yes. This is yes. a newer term in psychology that I think a lot of people haven't heard yet. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I love that. You know, we talk about um, post-traumatic stress disorder and how people become debilitated and infirmed and limited because of uh, trauma. But in fact, there are a portion of the population that actually grow and become more than they had been than before. And I've seen like, a, you know, like that bell curve, you know, there actually is proportionally like there are just as many people that actually can grow from it. And then you have this segment here that actually enhance their performance significantly. And a lot of times I see, and I've experienced spiritual growth, a lot more spiritual connection, a lot more connection to what really matters and um, a sense more of running their own life rather than just being at the mercy of what's happened to them. Because that's what you need to do when you have to go through trauma and heal from it, is you have to develop more of a sense of command to get, to get over it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Empower people to come out of that victim kind of mentality yes. and into like, what's right about all this? Um, how can I grow from this? What can I learn from this? Um, maybe, you know, I see a lot of people who then want to help others maybe who've gone through this, right? Often we as healers have that kind of story ourselves. Yes, um, yes. But Very I love true. that that possibility for post-traumatic growth and even being able to see the experience from a different perspective just sort of organically happens in many of these techniques when we're able to release the negative stuff, right? Yeah. The fear, the anger, the terror, whatever it is. It's like when you can release some of those negatives and get the stress level down, it's like you get out of that more primitive part of your brain, yeah. right? The survival stuff. And then your logical thinking prefrontal cortex brain can come online and be you know, like, okay, yeah, that sucked, but we're okay. You know, we, yeah. we, yeah. Can, we, we actually survive that and we're stronger for it. It's almost like the voice of reason can come back. That's true. And, and, and creativity too. Like once your distress level is lower and you do havening or tapping or something, you can start to feel like, and now I feel connected to every, you know, universal consciousness and I feel my contribution here and I see my role and I, I feel love for other people. You know, all these really cool things can happen once the distress level is down and your prefrontal cortex is available to yeah. you. Yeah. 
And it's so cool that science is finally catching up. I mean, we practitioners have been using these techniques for maybe 30, 40 years now. They've really been in the field. And and now we have research studies and we have technology that can look at people's brains and measure those brain waves. And we really have had validation now that this stuff isn't just woo-woo. There's actually some real scientific basis to it. And I think that's helping to legitimize the work so much more. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And actually, um, Dr. Rudin has had brain, they've been doing brain scans of people that have had havening you know, before and after to show the changes. And I think having the science legitimizing it really helps convince people to do it, you know, to do these kinds of therapies. Yeah. Or when you can look at a picture nowadays, like when they're doing these studies with MRIs and here's the brain before the technique and here's the brain afterwards and you can clearly see it's a calmer brain. It's not all lit up in all these different areas. It's so cool like to really see some of that evidence. So for people who are interested, you know, I always like to give um, resources. I think the ASAP website is a great resource mm-hmm. for at least getting started with, if you want to find out more about the research, there is an association for comprehensive energy psychology, uh, energypsych.org, and we'll put it in the show notes, where you can uh, click on a link that talks about all kinds of research that's been done with many of these different modalities. Um, so that's uh, super cool. and. I wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned one more technique that I had actually haven't heard of called the flash method. Or oh something yeah. Like. Yeah. That's the an flash. applied version of, um, of EMDR. Um, <laughs> it's kind of cool. And it has some similarities with havening. It's, it's a method where you um, have a person, they identify something as distressing and then you have them talk about something that they love to talk about, like they're really engaged in. So it engages their working memory and um, you have them tap, they can tap bilaterally while, while they're thinking about it. And then every, periodically you say flash and you ask them to blink their eyes for like uh, 15, 20 seconds. And then they go back to their store and they tap. And then again, at, for like 15, 20 seconds, they do that. And you do it for like three minutes. And then after that, they, they feel a lot less distressed by whatever it was that was bothering them. So it's, yeah, it's a combination, the bilateral stimulation, the, the, the real engagement is something that's pleasurable to them. And then this piece where they blink their eyes, all those things together seem to have great results. So interesting. I mean, yeah. This whole idea that my body, mind, spirit, emotions are separate is, is just so ridiculous at this right. point. Right. Like there's, you can't separate those out. And really the common denominator is energy. Energy, your thoughts are energy, your emotions are an energy, all of it is energy, and energy is malleable. We can change it. Right. You can work with it. You can it's like alchemy. You can transform it from feeling tense and distress and distressing and constricted to being expansive and radiant. That's so cool. Is there an exercise or anything you could um just quickly like take us through? Something that Mm -hmm. um, might help people just even quickly like get from a more stressed out state to a calmer state? Yeah, okay. So right now, um, I invite everybody to notice, is there anything in their body that feels a little tense? Like maybe they've been like stressed out today or there's been a lot on their mind or they're just feeling kind of worried about something or something's kind of sad and just notice where that resides in the body. So it could be a constriction, it could be a heaviness, whatever it might be, just noticing where it is in the body. And then once you've kind of noticed where it is, uh, score it from zero to 10 uh, in degrees of distress. So zero would be no distress at all, and 10 would be the most you could possibly imagine. So just giving it a, a score. 
And I'm actually going to invite you to do some havening touch if it's okay with you with this. Yeah. So you can do havening on your hand. You can just kind of move around between your hands and your arms from shoulder to elbow and your face if you'd want to. And, you know, if your distress is high, it's good to do a little bit of distractions to get the distress level lower. Um, so I'm just going to throw out some distractions out there to see, um, to, just because it could be helpful. Um, so actually, I get, I'm going to start with inviting you to hum with me a little bit. So I'm going to hum, um, row, row, row your boat. Mm -hmm. All right. So. Okay, great. And then um, I invite you to think about um, a place in the world that begins with the letter A. It could be a city, state, or country. And just think about it. And then a place that begins with the letter B. And then a place in the world that begins with the letter C. And then to think of three animals that you find very cute. Great. And then um, I invite you to move your eyes back and forth from left to right um, just a few times. And then take a deep breath. Great. And then notice that place again where you felt before and notice what the distress level is right now. And give that, that a score again. And then, um, and then what I invite you to do is to start doing Havening Touch again and to feel that area if you can, feel it relax and open a bit as if it were just softening. It's like a, a softening feeling. And imagine the energy flowing out your whole body. So it could flow out your extremities in all directions. It could flow down your feet, down your legs to your feet. It could flow up. Um, it could flow out like a starfish. And just whatever direction it feels like it wants to go and let that energy just flow out in that sequence and feel the flow of it. And then actually practice it again. Like notice where you feel it and feel the flow again so it becomes automatic that when you have that feeling, it flows like that. And then you could even do it again and see if you can do it even more immediately, kind of more quickly, letting it flow like that. Like when you think of it, bam, it, it flows that way. And now having done that, notice how it feels. So you might notice, you put an adjective to it. So it could be grounded or it could be expanded or it could be open or it could be, you know, whatever it might be, whatever that word is, just notice that word as you do havening a little bit and just repeat the word in your mind a few times. And that's it. That's so cool. I definitely, um, for myself, noticed a shift. I was dealing with some tension in the jaw and kind of, you know, neck and shoulders, just all up in here. And it's almost like there was, you know, because I've done so much of uh, this work also, I could feel the moment when it, when my nervous system went from like sympathetic to parasympathetic, like the relaxation. And it was this, it was the first time we started stroking the face and I was like oh it was like so soothing it almost reminded me of like how my mom my mom was very touchy-feely and she yeah. like when I was a little kid you know she would like touch me a lot and it was almost that yeah that felt sense and then um 
the calm was the word that came. And then, yeah, there were multiple times during it where I could feel an energetic shift and a releasing happen. That's, and it's so quick and easy. That's super yes. cool. Yeah, 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 it's cool. That's great. And it can just be with the felt sense. It doesn't have to be about any story or anything because that's really what it's about is releasing that feeling in the body. Right. So if so if someone were working with the trauma, they're not even thinking necessarily about the trauma. It's more just like, what are you experiencing? Like kind of like in brain spotting, you know, you start with like the or EMDR maybe even, but as a brain spotter, I know this is true. You you yeah. start with that body sense. Like yes. when you think about that traumatic event, what happens with your body, the tightness here, the pain there, and that's sort of the entryway is through the body. Not so exactly. much through the mind or through the necessarily through the memory itself, because it's the body, it's the energy is stuck in the body and that's what we're trying to shift. Precisely. So they might need to talk to bring it up, but once they brought it up, you don't have to dwell on it. You can yeah. start the work right away. So cool. Um, so I guess the last question I really want to ask you is, Erica, what is your vision for the future with all of this? What would you, what would you like to have see happen in the field of mental health? I'm hoping that it's moving in the direction more of working with energy and felt sense and developing more and more strategies for have, having to work with that, you know, noticing more and more efficient ways and elegant ways of working with sensation. And also like what we did before, just that movement of energy. So instead of it feeling stuck, it actually can, act, can release in a way that's actually good for oneself and good for humanity. Because, you know, we're all carrying around all this stuff, stuff and stuck tension and contraction and isolation and this feeling like it's me against the world. And if we can release that and just feel more at ease and relax and open, and then we can be loving and um, compassionate and playful and creative, you know, and it would really serve the world. So I'm really interested in that in particular is this releasing of this tense energy to feel more open and connected, really. And safe, right? And safe, absolutely. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Yes. So cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about your work, where would they? Where would you send them? Yeah. So they can look at my website, which is um, www.ericaneal.com. It's spelled E-R-I-K-A-N-E-I-L.com. And um, it has like the kind of different therapies I do. It also has Havening training listed there. The next one being in October, like October 15th through 18th. Um, and I, I'll list other things on that website too. Awesome. awesome. So yeah. We'll definitely add that to the show notes. Um, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. And I Thank love you. learning new techniques. Now I have a new one as well. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that to, to work and see, see what we can do with that. Maybe even like look to learn more about it so sure yes thank great you so much for being with us today and thank you audience for checking us out if you enjoyed this podcast please do click like share it with other people comment on it uh, write a review whatever it is um, you could contribute that will help us get this the information out there in the world more, so more people can find out that there are so many other ways for us to create healing beyond the standard treatment paradigm um, there are many, many other possibilities. And so I thank you all for tuning in today. Thanks again, Erica. And check us out next time on Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. 
To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.